solo mente. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to the Thursday edition of Locked On Texans, your daily Texans talking news update, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm John, some sports guy Hickman. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Reliably low prices, amazing selection, Rock Auto. Don't forget to tell them Locked On Texans sent you over in the comment box. We are back with another show, but I can't do this show by myself. I got to do it with my family, of course. Cody Davis, what's going on, brother? Doing well, man. Doing well. Um, I literally, at the time of this recording, I literally just got done covering the Rockets' 23-point blowout loss to the Utah Jazz. And John and listeners, I can I cannot say this enough. The state of Houston sports is really bad right now. You have the Houston Rockets who are on a rebuild. Um, please be sure to check out JT Gatlin over at Locked On Rockets to hear more about that. And then you have the Houston Astros. You know, before the MLB season started, we thought the Astros was going to be a way where we can like get out of our misery and look at a team that's doing well. However, that team has been hit by COVID pretty hard to start the season, and they are losing left and right. So be sure to check out my other guy, Eric Hyman, over at Locked On Astros. However, John and I are going to talk about the pain of the Houston Texans here on Locked On Texans. And on today's show, it's going to be a little bit different. First and foremost, John and I are going to discuss the NFL approving six rule changes starting in the 2021 season and I've got to tell you beyond the 17 games that they are now going to play the 2021 season is going to look a lot different then later on in the show John and I are going to discuss are going are going to debate the guy who's going to come in at number seven on our list for the top 10 draft selections in Houston Texans history this is a guy I felt should have fell somewhere in the top five matter of fact let's say top five number five but John wants to debate that there's another guy who should fall at number seven on our list. So, but it's going to be fun to debate to see how much this guy deserves or does not deserve his spot on the list. But as promised, ladies and gentlemen, let's get kicked off, John, with the NFL approving six new rule changes heading into the 2021 season. Yeah, the NFL, you know, and the new rules. Uh, for the season moving forward, of course, as we know that the 2021-22 season will have 17 games. And uh, I think the players, I've said this before, but I think the players lost that battle in the CBA agreement. I don't think 17 games is needed. However, we will see 17 regular season games this year. Uh, but moving forward, the highlight, at least for me, and the new rule changes were the number changes, right? The expanded jerseys that players are eligible to wear, specifically the approval unlocks the number of players eligible to wear single digit numbers, which had previously been relic, <clears throat> which had previously been delegated to quarterbacks, kickers, and punters. So now the expanded jerseys will allow running backs, tight ends, and fullbacks and wide receivers to wear numbers 1 through 49 and 80 through 89. Defensive backs can choose from 
one through 49. Linebackers can choose from one through 59, 90 through 99, along with offensive linemen being able to choose from 50 to 79. And defensive linemen can choose from 50 through 79, 90 through 99. But for offensive linemen, why can't we get single digits? I would love to see a, a left tackle wearing the number nine. Like I, I, I would love to see that. Let's get the thing I hate about the NFL is some of the best athletes on these teams. Like for the longest, Joe Thomas was the clear-cut best athlete and player on the Cleveland Browns. Why can't he be, you know, flashy? Let him wear number two at times. Like I mean. I just hate the fact that what's changing between 50 and 79 for offensive linemen. I hate it, but that's where we are right now. Also the NFL expanded practice squads due to COVID-19 that led to some number of issues for certain clubs last year, participating in the uh, number chain, along with the new rules, the league has approved expanded booth to official communication. The hope behind this is the increase to increase the allowed communication that will lead to fewer errors on objective calls that we can see on TV. I think that's also the biggest, honestly, that's bigger than the jerseys, but the jerseys are always going to catch the eye. But we do have new expanded booth to official communication, and that's huge because we've seen games turn at the drop of a dime because communication. Uh, between the booth and officials and bad official calls. So now the NFL is doing a better job in preventing. They're being proactive instead of reactive. Well, technically they've been reactive, but now moving forward, they're going to hop in front of that so we can prevent some of those disgusting calls that we've seen in the league over the course, at least in my life, 28 years. So uh, kudos to the league for taking the step in the right direction on that. I really I think that's the, the most important rule change of, of them all. Also, the proposal to change the GM and head coaching hiring cycles, pushing back the start of interviews for all clubs until after conference championship games and no hires until after the Super Bowl. That was tabled for more discussion by the diversity committee. The Buffalo Bills proposed the change to the cycle. And that's important because if we look at the cycle of quarterback, I'm sorry, the cycle of head coaches and GMs that was hired throughout the process of this offseason, uh, you look at, you know, Nick Casario was hired before the Super Bowl ended. And what that rule does is it does allow teams that are still competing to not have to worry about their guy leaving for another team in the midst of them trying to, you know, win a championship. So I, I like that. I can't wait to see the NFL and the 32 teams come back around to that. I would personally have everybody, every team wait until after the Super Bowl. It doesn't matter if your team is out of it or not. Give the league the courtesy of waiting until the final game is played. So I'm on the side of waiting. And I 100% agree with you, John. I do believe, as a matter of fact, I don't really care of the league or the sport. I always felt it's always in the league's best interest to wait until the championship game is played before you start looking at head coaches before you start interviewing head coaches and start interviewing general managers for whatever vacant position you might have and i i kind of believe that this might be the nfl's 
most important rule changes because when you take a look at some of the hires over the past couple of years and you take a look at some of the candidates, sometimes I've always felt that a candidate who is still in the playoffs, he might be in a position where he's not 100% focused on the interview versus someone who is not in the playoffs or someone who has gotten knocked out of the playoffs early. Um, let's take Eric B. Enemy, for example. John and listeners, how many times have we heard that Eric B. Enemy is not a great interviewee? And that's part of the reason why he has not gotten a head coaching job. Let's think about it. Over the last three years, in the midst of doing these interviews, enemy is still in a position where he's trying to come up with a game plan in order to help Kansas City reach or win the Super Bowl championship. And I do believe at some point that has really become a distraction for Airbnb while he's trying to prepare to ace these interviews. And, and you know what? Good point. Whether or not that's the case, um, I do feel like the courtesy of waiting until because listen we've seen remember when the 49ers wanted Kyle Shanahan immediately mm-hmm. so, so much so much so that it kind of felt like Kyle Shanahan <laughs> I, I may be reaching but he kind of blew that game on purpose to get hurry up and get out of Atlanta because there's no way you stop running the ball when you have been killing the Patriots the entire game I don't know what point you were trying to prove just to go to 49ers and then create some of the best run design plays we've ever seen in the NFL. So it's, it's, it's a courtesy because allow teams and organizations to get through the final game in order before making your decision on who your next head coach or general manager is going to be. Uh, Texan news really quick. Lane Taylor signed his one-year deal worth $1.127 million. And Demarcus Walker signed his one-year deal worth $1.5 million. So there is... Some Texan news about the incoming players, newly arrived players, might I add, Lane Taylor and Demarcus Walker, two players that will definitely be competitive, will compete for starting spots. And that's something that Nick Casario really loves. With every increasing number of makes like Fiat, Kia, and models like Pacifica and XT5, it is now impossible to stock all of your parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidated questioning and wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing only the brand his warehouse happens to carry? Come on, guys, we can do better than that. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at your home and in your pocket. One reason to repair and maintain your car is to save money that you can use for other important things like mortgage or food. Why would you choose to spend 30, 50, or even 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or new car dealership? For example, the Delphi FG1456 fuel pump assembly for a 2005 through 2010 Honda Odyssey costs 353 99 at advance a big chain store but it only costs 216.79 at rockauto.com chain stores have a different price tiering for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers rockauto.com prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low rockauto.com always offers the lowest prices available rather than the changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require a membership or account login. 
Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Do You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. This year, the Locked On Podcast Network is partnering with the Draft Network to cover NFL Draft Live. Get insight and analysis from Locked On local experts and the Draft Network's national experts. Subscribe to the Locked On NFL YouTube page to watch a live three-day coverage of the NFL Draft starting April 29th through May 1st. And of course, here on Locked On Texas, whenever you have the opportunity on all of your major podcasting platforms, Check out some of our archived shows within the last two weeks as we discuss different players at different positions that we'd like to see Houston take a chance on in this year's upcoming NFL draft. And speaking of the NFL draft, ladies and gentlemen, as we all know, the NFL draft is one week away, which means we are seven days away from the start of the 2021 NFL draft, which means we are about to continue our top 10 best draft selections in Texans franchise history. And if you missed the first couple of days, just doing a quick recap, coming in at number 10, we put David Carr. Yes, once again, I understand David Carr. He's possibly, if not the worst quarterback in franchise history. However, on the day of our posting, it marked the 19th anniversary of the Texans' first draft selection. And who was the Texans' first draft selection? David Carr. That's the only reason why he made this list. But coming in at number nine, we had an opportunity to reflect and look back on the career of the greatest tight end in franchise history, Mr. Owen Daniels. And then on yesterday, we had the opportunity to look back at one of the greatest defensive players in franchise history in D'Amico Ryans. Now, with that being said, on today's show, coming in at number seven, this, this is going to be a little bit different than what we've been doing because when John and I are looking at this list, we actually ended up with a tie for number seven. And ladies and gentlemen, we're going to put this question on Twitter a little bit later on today. But coming in at number seven, I feel, and by the way, I kind of believe that this guy should should have been in the top five, number five. But coming in at number seven, in my opinion, is Jadavion Clowney, who was drafted by the Houston Texans number one overall in 2014, who ended his career fourth in franchise history in sacks, fifth in franchise history in quarterback hits, and who also became a three-time Pro Bowler with the Houston Texans. And John, I'm going to just go ahead and let you say your guy. First and foremost, don't say it like, like don't, don't, don't say it like my guy is, is going to get disrespected. But it's disrespectful to Clowney, though. Kareem Jackson. And you're saying it like he's the third greatest Texan in franchise history, only behind Watt and Andre Johnson. Let me say this. When you actually look at the career of Jadavion Clowney as a Houston Texan, it's pretty bus-worthy. Number one overall draft pick in 2014. Only had two good seasons with Houston. Needed J.J. Watt on the other side of the ball in order for him to be, for him to reach his full potential. And 
So, you know what? Actually, let me say this. His Texan career is not busworthy. His career at this point is in very much so in, in bus jeopardy. But Jadavion Clowney and his missed injuries never got to a second contract with Houston. And you really have to ask yourself, during their tenure separately, who was more vital to the Texans' success at the height of the Texans' successful years on the defensive side of the ball? Like, we would never argue J.J. Watt. We know that. We would never argue... Um, players like on the offensive side of the ball, we would not argue DeAndre Hopkins or Andre Johnson, so on and so forth. There's also actually another name, and we would not argue number eight, of course. We won't argue him now because we're talking about seven on down. But D'Amico Ryans, who I feel is the best linebacker in Texan uh, history. I saw somebody mention Brian Cushion. I have my own personal you know, reasons why I won't pick Brian Cushion. However, like we're not even mentioning Dante Robinson, who I didn't like personally as a cornerback in the NFL, but he still had a great year, great years with Houston. But Jadavion's, Jadavion's issue that I have is he was not in the, what was it, four years in Houston? The two great years that he gave Houston, I mean, they were great. They were great. And I would not argue that. And by the way, I like Jadavion Clowney. I believe Jadavion Clowney uh, came into this league being, you know, scouted as this generational pass rusher when all along he was a generational run stopper. Um, but when I look at his five years in Houston, pretty underwhelming outside of his last two. His first three years in Houston was underwhelming. Uh, a total of 99 tackles, 11 and a half, 10 and a half sacks compared to those two good years. And I, I know the easy choice would be Jadavion Clowney, but in 2014, 2015, and 2016, what type of Texan team did Houston have? And then you look at the 2017 Houston Texans, they were 32nd on defense. And that year they allowed 42 points, 41 points, 45 points, uh, 36 points. Like they were not good on defense. And, J and Jadavion Clowney was right there in the mix of not being good on that defensive front. So, no, I don't have Jadavion over Kareem Jackson. I think Kareem Jackson and his impact on defense during his entirety time, during the entirety of his time in Houston was more important than Jadavion Clowney. Jadavion Clowney just so happened to be a number one pick that did not reach a second contract with the team that drafted him. So, and it's still at this time, what is it, three one-year deals in a row? First of all, let's not say 
the Texans did not want to give Jadavion Clowney a second contract because John, at the time, we had a guy by the name of Bill O'Brien who was possibly one of the worst, if not the worst general manager in the league at the time. And when he decided to move on from Clowney, that was the start of several bad decisions, which is part of the reason why we are looking at the Houston Texans rebuilding in 2020. That's part of the reason why he did not get that second contract from the Texans. And by the way, that's also part of the reason why DeAndre Hopkins did not get his third contract from the Texans because we had a guy acting general manager by the name of Bill O'Brien. However, with all that being said, let me start off by saying this. Did Clowney live up to the expectations by being the first overall pick in 2014? I'm going to agree with you and say no, especially when you consider that the Texans could have drafted Aaron Donald in that same draft. And by the way, can we all agree that a defensive line that featured both Aaron Donald and J.J. Watt would have possibly created the best defensive team of all time? However, coming out of college, Donald was not touted as the defensive lineman that Davion Clowney was however with that being said let's not sit here and act like Clowney was just a product of J.J. Watt because he wasn't did Clowney need Watt in order to I guess reach his reach some part of his potential yes because he was being paired with the best defensive lineman in the league however when Watt was not on that field Clowney was just as good. Let's look at arguably his two best years with this organization, 2016 and 2017. Clowney recorded a total of 15 and a half sacks. And where was J.J. Watt? Missing 24 games with injuries because that was during the time injuries started to take a toll on Watt. And in that 2017 season, John, the season that you just finished talking about, the year, I believe that was the year that the Texans defense allowed an average of 30 points per game. Yes, everybody on defense was bad, but their best defensive player of that year was Clowney. He recorded a career high nine and a half sacks that season. So let's not put the Texans defensive woes that season on Clowney because that was the same year everybody including J.J. Watt was hurt that also resulted in a 4-12 season and John really quick before moving on I do want to say this ever since Jadavion Clowney walked out the door off of 610 and Kirby how bad has the Texans defense looked over these last two seasons especially 2020 not that good my point exactly you have your opinion i have mine but i think we both have ways that we can make some extra cash with bet online the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action with real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine bet online has you covered for all of the latest news scores and odds it's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports book experts. Don't forget to use promo code locked on. Remember how optimistic we was about this team at one point? Like just last year around this time, we were really <laughs> optimistic about this team. Like we thought that they would be in a position where like, wow, we, we, we may be a year or two away from actually winning a championship in football and bringing it to Houston. 
And I think it's just so funny how, depending on who's running your organization and what's going on, that can really make or break a team. And it has really broke a lot of our fans in this franchise. Uh, of course, we have the Deshaun Watson saga. We have a lot of rumors that have been spiraling out of complete control here and there about Cal McNair, Jack Easterby, uh, players, so on and so forth. And it just, as we are awaiting the draft, because around this time last year, we were really anticipating what they do with the 40th pick overall. Last year, Houston did not do a good job in scouting. Last year, Houston did not do a good job in drafting. And it is what it is. Like, if you look at the players that were drafted after their picks, you, you scratch your head a little bit. Like, Ross Blacklock was taken at 40th overall. Right behind him was Jonathan Taylor. At number 45, Antoine Whitfield was drafted safety to Tampa Bay. Right? And, and it, just, it just seems like that throughout the entire draft, they didn't know what they were doing. And that brings me to a point of, the draft, ladies and gentlemen, is really all hit and miss. So as we are, you know, approaching the draft a week away, uh, don't get too fluttered. Don't fluster yourself because the Texans didn't draft who you wanted or who you had higher on your list. It's all just projections. None of this really matters until August when we have preseasons. And you can see players play. And then really, even after that, none of this really matters until week one of the NFL season. Remember that. Like, guys can be all world coming into the draft and then stink it up. Guys can be looked over multiple times. And then 20 years later, has well, seven championships. You never know in the NFL. You really never know how things will work out. I'm John Sports Sports Guy Hickman. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Texans and like us on Facebook. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace. You are Locked On Texans. Your daily podcast on the Houston Texans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.